0: What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone.
1: Today we continue our series on collections. We are looking at stories from members and friends at Grace Church to see what larger lessons we can glean. Last week we heard from Bill who shared his collection of milk bottles. Uh, They reminded us of his dad, a humble milkman that helped nurture and knit a community together with his service. We too want to uh, bring the community together. We want to be a blessing like Jesus, uh, like Jesus is when we care for each other and even make sacrifices for the greater good. We are uh, remembering our saints. Uh, They were ones who inspired us and called us to exemplify Jesus even when things were difficult. Now we look at another member of our church who has a different kind of collection, but first let's hear our scripture for today. It comes from Luke chapter 24, which Karen is going to read for us. It takes place just after Jesus has been crucified and appeared to Mary. Some of the disciples run to the tomb of Jesus, find it empty, and are amazed and probably very, very confused. What does this all mean? We, we get at least some explanation for the meaning of Jesus' resurrection here. Now let's hear the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. This is known as the walk to Emmaus. Hear now the word of the Lord.
0: Now, on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened— Some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made, to, made known to them in the breaking of the bread.
1: This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, make us an inclusive community, passionately following Jesus Christ. Work in our hearts and minds that we would be remade by your presence, transformed by your power and reformed by your example. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I'm noticing as we go through this series that the things that we collect say something about us. It reveals something about our character, or at the very least, the things that we care about. Today, we're going to hear an interview with Marion. She is a longtime member at Grace United Methodist Church, and she is here with us in worship today. Uh, when I brought my equipment in to interview Marion, she asked me, Oh, this must be a hobby of yours. You must really enjoy doing these videos. And I told her, No, this is entirely out of necessity. What I want is to have people give testimony and tell stories, but people don't want to stand in front of the congregation. If I ask them to do a video, people always say yes. And she said, oh yes, that's true of me. You could never get me to stand up in front of the congregation. See what I mean, people? That's why we're doing these video interviews. It's a chance to hear from the folks in the church, get to know them more, and see how the things we care about connect with the biblical story that can teach us. When I sat down with Mary and I asked her about the collection she had. Let's take the next couple of minutes for the interview So tell me about your collection
2: Uh, well I previously, i have been painting for maybe 20 years at the Oriental Brush Artists Guild up in North Salem, New York, which is 120 miles round trip. And I did that for a long time, 60 miles each way, seven times a year. And that's when I painted uh, the big paintings that I used to paint. But, and then when my husband got sick, I didn't paint. For those years and after he passed i just i had not painted so i wasn't painting but when i had to stay in the house during the pandemic i said i have to do something and so i i got my painting things out and i thought let me do these just little paintings i'll buy a pad of paper and you know start and i did i started just started painting these little nine by 12 things and i I said, now what on earth am I gonna do with them? Now that I've got this pile. And so I started giving them away. I mean, you know, I'd give them to, to shut-ins or my friends and family, everybody got pictures. I used them like greeting cards. I, I've got, there's a pile over there on that, where the little mount thing is that's all paintings that's oh, okay. all paintings that are you know that
1: ready to be passed along are,
2: or sec- or secondary paintings <laughs> 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 you know the ones that don't go too well okay yeah. and i let them stand like that for a couple of days i just i was working on that this morning Okay. and uh i leave i leave them hang there my son made the the wire for me okay. and then i look at them and sometimes i go back and say oh needs a little something there or something there. And uh, you know, I I look at them or I need a tree or something and I use from one or the other. And these are all just current stuff that I've been worked on.
1: Okay. And tell me about how you come up with the ideas for the things that you're painting.
2: Sometimes it's just how the spirit moves me.
1: Very good. Well, thank you so much for sharing your collection with me and with Grace United Methodist Church. You're quite welcome. (laughs) Now, Marion, she was very generous with her time. Uh, There's The full interview will be available on YouTube after today's service. It is Very lengthy, but really wonderful. So I invite you to spend some time and watch the whole interview after today. Marion doesn't just paint either. She had sculptures all around her home, which were really beautiful and creative. She has used her creativity, her God-given talents, to do wonderful things, to bless those around her and offer some hope during the pandemic. To me, it seems like it's much harder these days to get people to use their gifts and talents Many people aren't like Marion, looking to go to college in their 50s and willing to try out new techniques and styles with some encouragement from an instructor. Most of us say, you know, I don't really have any gifts or talents. I don't have anything to offer or I'm not good enough. I don't have enough time to get good enough. Last winter, my son noticed an advertisement for a TV show called America's Got Talent, Extreme. Uh, It had all kinds of death-defying stunts, and we decided to watch it together as a family. It was a lot of fun to watch people with these incredible skills do things that seem impossible to the rest of us. But watching that show made me wonder something. It made me wonder if you have to be a professional, an expert in your field, in order to wow people like that. Now, obviously, I don't want my children or anyone else trying dangerous stunts without proper training and and proper precautions, but what does it mean to really develop our talents? I bet many of those people never imagined jumping over moving cars and flying an army of drones to get in front of a national TV audience. They just had an interest. They engaged in it. And this is what came of it. They were open to what the world had to offer. In the Gospel of Luke, I think there is something similar happening. It may take a bit for us to see it, though, so let me explain. The Gospel of Luke is all about the story of Jesus, from his birth to his resurrection. He starts with his public ministry to the Israelites, then he travels to the edges of the country to people that are Half Jewish, and sometimes even to people that have no Jewish background at all, we see Jesus slowly revealing that God is not just for the Jewish people. God is truly and genuinely for everyone. All it takes is to believe, to have faith and trust that God is for you, not against you. Over and over, people are healed of their illnesses, sometimes permanent disabilities, and praise God for the miracle that takes place. Jesus continues to heal and teach the people the truth about God until he goes to Jerusalem. That was the capital of Israel and the place where the Passover was celebrated. Over 100,000 people would come to this important religious festival to have their sins forgiven by the priests. What Jesus said, though, was that the priests didn't have to give forgiveness. God freely gives it. You don't need all those rituals and routines to be made right with God you just ask for it and trust god and you have it this angered the religious leaders so they managed to get jesus put on trial and he was found not guilty they were so upset by this that the people were near rioting and eventually jesus was put to death he was crucified on a cross the disciples those who found jesus were confused. Wasn't this supposed to be the Messiah? Weren't we supposed to be saved by this man, and yet now he is dead? What do we do? What do we believe? A few days later, some of the women who followed Jesus went to his tomb and found it empty. They ran back and told the others who came and saw it was true. Jesus's body was gone. That's when we come to the story of the walk to Emmaus. These disciples are talking about all that has happened to a stranger they have met on the road. The pilgrims for the Passover are coming back and forth, so it was normal to travel together with these other believers. They explain all that they have seen and heard, including the disappearance of Jesus' body, and they say they just don't know what to think. This traveler, well, we know he is Jesus. He explains the story. He walks them through the books of the Old Testament, explaining how it was pointing to his this exact thing happening all along scholars would point us to deuteronomy 18 that says god would raise up a prophet among his own people that would speak in god's name there's isaiah 9 that talks about a child that would be king it says for a child has been born to us he is named wonderful counselor almighty god Isaiah 11 says a shoot from King David will judge with righteousness and equity. It will lead them, lead them to the lion laying down with the lamb. Finally, there's Isaiah 53 that says he w- was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. By his punishment, we are healed. As this man, who we know is Jesus, teaches them this deeper meaning in the scriptures, they are awestruck. How come they have missed it? They knew a Messiah, a Savior, was coming, but they were sure it was going to be a king that defeated the enemy in war. This vision of a Messiah that healed through it his own woundedness was unheard of. Yet there it is, right in the scriptures. As they stop at the village Emmaus, they convince this man to stay and eat and lodge with them. As Jesus sits down to eat, he takes on the role of host, and he blesses the food and gives it to them as he would have done many times with his disciples. In a moment, their eyes are opened, and they realize this is Jesus. They see him for the first time for who he really is, and in a moment, Jesus disappears. They are so stunned, they get up and run back to Jerusalem at night to tell the other disciples what has happened to them. And there's a celebration. People are all over are seeing Jesus, Simon Peter, these disciples going to Emmaus, and eventually hundreds and hundreds of others, all before he ascends into heaven. The two disciples who walked with Jesus on the road to Emmaus say of it that their hearts were burning within them as Jesus revealed the scriptures to them. What Jesus said was so stirring, so revealing, they have to run miles and miles back from where they came from to tell others about it. Now, this may not be the immediate obvious application of the story. I think the main takeaway has to be about Jesus being raised from the dead. That is good news that the world needs to hear. But I also see how what Jesus does, what Jesus says and speaks into the hearts and souls is something incredibly powerful. When we let Jesus speak into our lives, we are moved. When I think of the art that Marion does, I think how her heart is filled and bursting over with creativity, with God-given gifts and talents. I've always been amazed looking at art throughout history. I think of the Sistine Chapel uh, with its frescoes painted on the ceiling. Some of you have told me how you have traveled to Italy and seen it for yourselves about how Magnificent and beautiful it is I have a small reproduction in my office. That's of the portion called the hand of God It's God reaching toward Adam the first human and you might wonder to yourself. Why is God? Reaching toward Adam Shouldn't it be the other way around? Are we striving to connect with God? And the answer is, the painter Michelangelo was actually showing the moment where God brings life to Adam. God touches Adam, and the divine spark of life is passed on to him and then to all of us. What an incredible moment, and we are reminded of it through art. There are others, Da Vinci's Last Supper, Rembrandts, The Storm on the Sea of Galilee, the statues on the sides of basilicas and churches. This church building itself has beautiful meaning and purpose woven throughout it, from these uh, seven windows in here to the sides of the bell tower, all the way to the cement wall behind that curtain. God has placed something incredible inside each one of us, and it comes out, it takes form, In each of us when we say yes to what God has for us, when we accept the gifts and talents placed inside of us and use them for the benefit of this world. Beautiful, incredible things happen when we say yes to God. Uh, There's a children's hospital in Indianapolis. They had a woman who had a, a baby in their neonatal care because of a virus their child had contracted. After that experience, this mom wanted to give back. She wanted to help moms who experienced the pain and trauma of a baby in intensive care. So she started volunteering, and just as she was signing up for it, she heard about an opportunity they were trying to start up. They wanted to help stressed moms with babies in intensive care by giving them some much-needed rest and relaxation. She just happened to run her own salon and was able to donate an unused chair. She used her contacts and networks to get supplies donated and have some other volunteers step up to help. Now when they have stressed moms who are overwhelmed with sick babies, they can offer them a place to just breathe, to relax and recover from the stress and strain. They get some much-needed rest because this woman chose to use her talent for God. It's a gift. You wouldn't necessarily put those talents and needs together, would you? Yet when we are open to God, your talents and creativity will be a gift to others. This is what transpired with Jesus. He was a conduit of God. His life was a a palette of colors where God moved freely in him and through him to make beautiful art. Jesus' life touched others and it brought healing and freedom like nothing else could. On the road to Emmaus, it all comes together as these disciples see Jesus transformed by death, And resurrection. He is a new creation, fully revealed as the one who triumphs over sin and death. They saw for the first time what it looks like when a human life has not just the spark of the divine, but is yielded fully to God. The spark is beautiful, and it's in all of us, but God calls us to let that spark turn into a burning heart that seeks nothing short of the kingdom of god let's end here Uh, charlie is an actor who was turning 40 when the pandemic hit he knew he was going to be out of work for a while because of it so he started to make a transition to writing he said he'd been carrying around these stories in his heart he described them as gifts but he said he wasn't honoring the gift that he had been given so finally when his work situation changed he began to honor these gifts He would wake up at 4 a.m., hike, shower, and eat, and then write as much as he could until 7 p.m. He said he would feel this presence of life, a feeling like nothing else in this world. He felt proud of his work and like he was honoring the innate gifts that God had given him. He sees his mission in life as to identify those talents God has given him and to use them absolutely as much as he can. As he does, he says he feels joy and a presence and a grace like nothing else. What is it that God has gifted you with? For Marion, it's a joy to sculpt and paint, a gift she didn't discover until she was late into her 50s. Who knows what God has in store for you? Even today, when you are open to God, when you connect with the divine spark... And let Jesus be the Lord of your life. That's when your heart will burn. That's when God's presence becomes real in your life like nothing else. Let Jesus be on the walk of your life, whether to Emmaus, back to your home, or to anywhere else you go, as you see the gifts of God given to you, shared for the glory of God. Amen? Amen
0: or everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.